Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Oh, pay dirt! Pay dirt! Oh, what a big week in Penn State football. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Pay Dirt Podcast. I'm Tom Hannafin. He is Matt McGloin. Wow, we have a lot to dive into. And oh, by the way, there's a game happening this week for all of you who just got done celebrating Thanksgiving and just woke up from a turkey hangover. Um, So, yeah, we're going to dive into this 10-year contract extension for James Franklin, but also is really a gigantic stimulus package for the football program. We are going to sift through that as best we can to – people who are definitely not lawyers or agents, so that'll be fun. And then we're also going to preview this football game because, by the way, Penn State has to go to number 12 Michigan State this Saturday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern on ABC. So we're going to break down the game a little bit. And our guest still to come here on the podcast is another one of the legends from especially the 2011 and 2012 season, former fullback, halfback. I think he played linebacker, special teams. He did just about everything except, you know, paint your front porch was michael zordich jr uh one of my personal favorites and one of matt's great teammates during that time so we're going to get into all of that so thank you all for liking commenting subscribing and turning on notifications you know what it's thanksgiving weekend and we all know what that means more football and nothing goes better with football than leftover turkey and betting bet online has you covered all holiday season more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this Thanksgiving weekend. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to receive your bonus. And it's not just football. Bet Online has pro and college hoops, the NHL, boxing, UFC, even your favorite Vegas casino games. So don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. The Pater Podcast is presented by Bet Online, where the game starts. And of course, Funk Brewing is the official craft beer partner of the Pater Podcast. This is coming out on Friday, so inevitably, Matt, I know you and I both enjoyed some Funk Brewing beers with our families this past Thanksgiving. Oh, absolutely, Tom. I actually have some in the fridge right now as we speak. Now, these guys do do a great job. They have a ton uh, of different types of beer. Uh, Little Citrus is fantastic. Vanilla Citrus is fantastic. Uh, Cozy is an awesome beer to drink this time of the year. It's Cinnamon Plum Tea IPA, which sounds which sounds strange, but it's absolutely fantastic. They take risks. And that's why it's I appreciate. absolutely fantastic. It's so smooth. But that's what that's what I love about them too, Tom, is they always come out with different types of beer and you look at it like, I wonder what this is going to taste like. And you drink it and it's great. So yeah, they they do they do a ton of different stuff. Um and again, you know, they help me out each and every year with my golf tournament. So it's a great brewery, great people run it. They have two locations, one in Emmaus, uh, and one in Elizabeth Town. So check it out. Um, you know, again, local grocery store. Your local distributor should be able to find it there to do a great job. Yeah, over 50 options throughout time, I believe, that they've offered in terms of beers. It's fantastic. Trust me, their fresh, funky flavors will satisfy your craft beer-loving taste buds. For more information, visit funkbrewing.com to learn where and how you can get their fantastic products. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. 
Well, fall is here, and we could all use a stiff breeze. That's right. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Guys, confidence can take you far in life. It can also help in the bedroom, especially when it comes time to step up to the plate. That's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. So no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped directly to your door in a discreet package. Guys, there's nothing more attractive than confidence, and Blue Chew can help give you confidence where it counts. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, Blue Chew can help. And we've got a special... Uh, special and we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code PAYDIRT at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code PAYDIRT to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the PayDirt podcast. All right, Matt. So let's first talk about the gigantic headline of the week. Uh, this came out on Tuesday. You and I had a suspicion that it might have come out over the weekend, as a matter of fact, and people were thinking it was even going to come out Monday. So things were just kind of slow in progression. But eventually we got the news of a 10-year contract extension for head coach James Franklin. And I kind of want to hear your initial thoughts on when you read that headline, 10 years, $80 million uh, being given to head coach James Franklin? Um, well, my first initial thought was, okay, was this worth losing four games for? Because I honestly thought, and we talked about it, I thought it has been a distraction. I really have. Like, look, Tom, I get the need for great facilities. I do, right? Um, you know, uh, you want a great weight room. Awesome. You know, good meeting rooms. Great. A great indoor. Great. But, you know, and we talked about this before. Do you know what creates a top tier experience for football players? That's winning football games. First and foremost, going to Big Ten title games, right? Making the college football playoff. Um, so, like, that's where I'm at with this whole thing was what. Penn State dealt with all this year with this in the media, James Franklin not addressing the situation. Um, you know, is he going to take another job? You know, we now have the answer as to why he was doing all this. But was it worth losing four games for? Because, again, I think it, I think it was a distraction. I really, really do. Tom, what do you think? Well, it's absolutely a distraction because, again, even the the, the press conference that he was trying to give uh, midday Tuesday was dominated by questions about his situation. That's been kind of the circumstance throughout the year. I, I want to unpack it just a little bit. Is that one thing to your point that was troubling in the press release that Penn State put out is that James Franklin said, quote, um, this process began nine weeks ago. So. It, it, it concerns you because it's like the season really changed We're in season and in season, right? Um, we're in season A, and on top of that, the season really veered after that, you know, nine weeks ago and on mark. Let's not forget about that. So that was a more concerning thing for me in terms of the administration just being like, yep, we're going to enter into these conversations midseason and we're going to deal with this. You also have to look at it as I think it's a deceiving headline that it's everything that's plastered all over the news right now is that. Penn State gives James Franklin a 10-year contract extension. Okay, let's back up. The dude was already under contract till 2025. So really, it just extends, extends him to 2031. Yes, he is getting a little bit more money uh, per year. However, it's at a fixed rate every single year. I believe it's $7 million per year for the remainder of the contract. He still has all his bonuses that he would get, that any coach would get if they are to win major games and accomplish major milestones for their program. 
What I read when you really bother to go through this contract is that it's what I called it earlier. This is a stimulus package for the Penn State football program. And I think something that is extraordinarily important is that this is a stimulus package for facilities, for recruiting, technology. Uh, and on top of that, the assistant coaching staff. You have to be very excited that this is a situation where the administration is going all in. You can say it's on the James Franklin regime or not but is going all in and exhausting resources here and saying, we are going to give you everything you're asking for, everything that James Franklin has said, we got to compete 365 days a year. This is a deal overall that is injecting money into the program, again, in a big way, that is saying to James Franklin, there are no more excuses. And you know why I know there's no more excuses? So we get Because his buyout decreases year to year. It's $12 million by April 22. It's $8 million by December 31st of 22. It goes down to $6 million by 23, then to $2 million for two consecutive years, and then to $1 million. So what does that tell you as a fan? It tells you that the university didn't just slide into this arrangement and give the guy 10 years, $80 million, because that's what the headline reads. They said, here's everything you need Go get it done. You've got two to three years before it's real easy for us to cut bait. That's what I took away from it. I think a lot of people jump to conclusions because Franklin is so polarizing. And I can't say that I've been his biggest supporter the entire time he's in, been in Happy Valley. And especially last season and this season, I've been the one saying he's 11 and 9 right now. I don't know why you reward that. So that that's my takeaway. I'm curious, Matt, what you think of what I just spewed. <laughs> No, that's, I mean, that's well said, Tom. Um, it really is. And, uh, you know, for me, what it's always been about, like, the people inside that facility make a program. The players, the coaches, the strength staff, the trainers, everyone inside of that place determines whether you win or lose on Saturday. Not how big my weight room is. Not how nice or how many fields I have in my indoor facility. Call me old school, Tom, whatever. Give me a pair of spikes. Give me a helmet. Somebody give me a playbook. Roll the football out in the field and go freaking play. That's what I'm about. And if I were in, if I were a player at Penn State right now, if I'm Brisker, if I'm Sean Clifford, um, you know, Jihad Dotson, like if I'm some of these older guys, I would probably be upset that this whole year, this guy's trying to get stuff for the future rather than trying to win football games right now, right? That, that, that's just why I think this whole year, I've said a number of times that the word that, you know, frustrating is the word that you point to when talking about this season, that that's what it would be. Um, so that's just, that's like, that's where my head's at with it, Tom. That's all, man. Like, I, I just, I can't, like, all this talk about, oh, recruiting, the future is bright, you know, this and that. Dude, That it's win now. Win now. That's my mm -hmm. take on it, right? I don't care about 22, 23, 24, 25. I don't care that you're going to make this massive weight room and it's going to be beautiful when it's done win right bring recruits in great guess what develop them win games because of it you're sending guys to the nfl year after year after year but is it really showing throughout these past few years has, has it resulted into wins tom mm -hmm. i i completely agree with you and i think that's why the deal is structured as it is because my concern was that again Nine weeks ago, James Franklin entered into these discussions with the university, the compensation committee, whomever. It wasn't just a blind circumstance, it appears, that the administration just waltzed into this extension. It appears that they, too, were like, hey, this isn't going great. It, this deal, for instance, the buyout could be gigantic. He could have gotten a huge raise. There could have been a lot of other things that would have pointed to the administration not seeing the performance on the field and not considering that. But I don't believe that's what happened. 
it appeared the administration was like, we're going to put all the chips in and you are out of excuses. And I think that is exactly what this I'm calling it a stimulus package. I'm not even calling it a contract <laughs> extension for James Franklin, because the thing I took away and I, I know you're going to appreciate this is that part of the package is that there will be more money available to keep assistant coaches. And one of the banes of the existence of Penn State fans, at least in the last 10 years, is the loss of former offensive coordinator Joe Moorhead. Oh, what could have been had he stuck around? It was a money thing. The guy got a head coaching opportunity, and there was more money at it, and there's more money to be an offensive coordinator elsewhere. Now, hopefully, James Franklin has the funds to hold on to a Mike Yurcich, to a Brent Pry. The list goes on and on of great assistant coaches that are currently on this staff, by the way. So my hope is that this is securing the program for the future. And I'm with you. It stinks to feel like 2021 was a meaningless football season because that is kind of the message. Here's my last thing on, on this. And um, it, it goes back to recruiting. Like if, if, we're like you're recruiting players, Tom, right? And you know, you bring them to the university for a visit, you're showing them the facility, you're showing them all this new things that you're doing. And like for me, it's you know, if that's all you care about as a player, then are we recruiting the right players? True. Like that, that's my thing too. Like, oh great, wait, where's the weight room? How awesome is the weight room? Um you know, am I, how much gear am I going to get? Am I going to get 15 different spikes that I can wear? Am I going to have my options? Can I get, you know, this and can I get that? And it's just like, that's not it, man. That's like, I'm telling you, Tom, that's not what it's about. Like, it's not, that's not, it's just, it's, that's not what it's about for me, man. And, uh, you know, again, call me old school, call me whatever you want. But to me, that stuff takes a backseat from to, that takes a backseat to great coaching and guys that truly understand how to teach and to develop their players um, in a hurry so that they can play on the field and they can continue to grow um, as a football player. That that's what it's about to me, man. So like, I don't know. We'll see. You mentioned, um, you know, he, he's got, he's got a short time here to really turn things around or it makes it very easy with this contract for, for Penn State to, uh, you know, to get somebody else in there. So we'll see, man. We'll see. I'll, I'll leave with one last point on this, and then we will move on to the game. Because, by the way, there's a game this week. Um, as someone who has come on the podcast a number of times and admitted from the word go that I am a fan, I am a student who graduated very proudly from Penn State. Uh, it's in my family lineage. Um, people pour thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars into this university every single year so that they can go see their favorite team play and so that they can hopefully see their team compete for a national title. So to feel in any way, kind of what you were alluding to before, the players, one thing feeling like, wow, did I go out on the field and just get, try and get myself destroyed for nothing uh, when it's building for the future? I'm thinking about the person who's paying thousands of dollars to park their car next to Beaver Stadium for a team that didn't really have the drive behind it this season to accomplish anything because they were looking for the future. So in my my viewpoint, and i reading the tea leaves of what this deal is, there are no more excuses. Because I look at the University of Florida and they just fired Dan Mullen, whose winning percentage was two points better than James Franklin's only in four years versus eight years. There is a line with these major elite programs. Now there are no more excuses. Get the freaking job done. Now with that, Let's forget. Let's not forget. There's a game on Saturday, and then there's potentially a bowl game. Or there, you know, if they accept it, they didn't accept it last year. So, let's turn our attention to Sparty this Saturday at three thirty p.m. Eastern. It's in East Lansing, Michigan State. Uh, Matt just got rocked last week by Ohio State. Personally, I was really surprised to see it. We understood the firepower that Ohio State had. Um, 
Obviously, Michigan State's been dealing with some injuries, and I, I want to start on the offensive side of the ball for Michigan State first. Um, Reed and Naylor, two wide receivers that have missed a substantial amount of time. We're recording this on Wednesday. This airs Friday, so we're just kind of going to see how things develop this week. But if those guys are not able to play versus Penn State, what does this offense look like as a whole to you? Here's, here's the thing for me, Tom, and it's, it, it's very simple. Um, because I love what Penn State's defense has done all year. Those guys are well prepared to play. They take a lot of pride in playing defense. Um, they've been fantastic on third down. I love the way they play in the red zone and goal line. And again, how much pride they take in not letting teams score on them. I think it's been great. It's been it's been really fun to watch um, heading into this last week of the season. Defensively, you're going to like this one, Tom. Offense needs to do their job this week, which means put Michigan State offense in a position where they have to play from behind all day Saturday and make Peyton Thorne win the football game for you, right? Score points early, force them to throw the football. You can't let Kenneth Walker become a weapon because we've all seen what happens when this dude gets rolling. If he gets the football 22, 25 times, you're in trouble. Right, Keep that offense off the field. I have no doubt that this defense is going to get the job done. Right, They've done such a good job of keeping everything in front of them, rallying the football, tackling the football, um, or tackling. Um, it's, you know, that's, I, I have uh, no concerns with the defense this week, Tom. I really don't. I think it falls on the offense. The success of the offense is going to determine the outcome of this game. And just like, just how much pressure is going to be applied to this defense again depends on this offense to your point kenneth walker the third uh the running back that you're alluding to as four, uh 1498 yards rushing this season he's averaging six and a half on the ground mm. has 17 touchdowns uh on the ground and then he's got another one through the air i firmly believe that if kenneth walker is playing for an alabama Georgia, and Ohio State, Oregon, Notre Dame, Michigan. This dude is number one in the Heisman race, and it's not even close. And unfortunately, that's kind of the way the Heisman voting and college football works. He's on a brand that is not nearly as big. So uh, this is going to be an extreme test. You talked about how the Penn State defense has been exceptional against the run, especially in the interior. That is going to be a challenge. Um, I want to come back to Peyton Thorne a little bit, um, putting pressure on him if – he has his complement of receivers. Uh, it seems to be a different feel. Reed and Naylor are really capable of a lot of good things, but um, signs are pointing to towards that they may not be able to go this this Saturday. I don't want to make too many presumptions based on this recording date, but how can Peyton Thorne hurt Penn State? Well, I think it's big playability, which he's had with both of those wide receivers that you just talked about, right? I mean, they've done some really nice things um, throughout this season. Um, you know, Peyton Thorne, I mean, he, he's certainly surprised a lot of people with the way that he's played this year. But for me, even when you go back and, la and watch him last year, right, and that that sample size that we had um, of him playing in 2020, he did some really good things. Look at what he did in that Penn State game. Yeah, they lost the game, but he made a lot of big-time throws. Um, it was a lot. You know, there it was enough play in 2020 for him to be able to build this entire offseason. He was in a competition this offseason with with uh, Anthony Russo, who transferred in from Temple. So competed. He won the job and he's played really solid football throughout the season. Yes, he's he's turned the football over, you know, uh, a number of times this year, which which have hurt them. But if you're not careful, this kid could pick you apart. He really could. Now, obviously, again, we don't know if he doesn't have his two wide receivers. That completely changes the game plan. And as a quarterback, Tom, when you don't have your two number one guys, it definitely messes with you mentally, you know, especially when you've had the success they've had of throwing the football down the field. Um, so if he doesn't, if he doesn't have those two guys, I'm looking at this similar to what Cade McNamara did against Penn State's defense, mm -hmm. right? Completion, completion, first down, hand the ball off to Kenneth Walker, hand the ball off to Kenneth Walker, boom, completion, completion, complimentary football in that sense and sustaining drives. Because again, Penn State has been fantastic against the deep explosive pass uh, play, um, you know, this season. And again, you know, they do a good job of keeping everything in front of them. And I think Peyton Thorne is coached well enough, and he's a smart enough player to understand that. Um, 
you know, this, this has the makings of, of a, a close football game, Tom, you know, you get the feeling that it's going to come down to a few moments, a few situations and who's ever able to capitalize on those is going to win this game. Whoever doesn't turn it over is going to win this game because I don't think either team is really good enough offensively to overcome turnovers. Michigan state again, ticked off after losing big and being embarrassed against Ohio State and losing their chances at the college football playoff, by the way, in the process. They're currently number 12 in the CFP ranking, so they're on the far outside looking in. And now they come home for their last home game of the season, senior day. So they've got all the positives that they could possibly have behind them, at least in terms of motivation. Let's flip sides. Um the Michigan State defense, what type of threat do they pose, considering it sounds like James Franklin uh, is going to, quote, return to the rotation that they've had, quote, at quarterback, in that he's alluding to Sean Clifford is going to be the starter on Saturday and not Christian Veyu. So I think when you look at what Michigan State has been able to do defensively, and for me, like even before they started to lose, um, even before they lost to Purdue and lost to Ohio State, you can kind of see the cracks in the defense. And Mel Tucker did a fantastic job of hiding it, hiding that secondary with pressure up front, creating different looks up front to force quarterbacks to make quick decisions. Penn State needs to protect the quarterback on Saturday. right? Michigan State defensively has been successful when they're able to get pressure on the quarterback, force quarterbacks to get the ball to their hand in a hurry. Um, you know, if you can't, protect your quarterback this week I don't think you win this football game and I'm assuming Tom that's why Clifford's getting the start this week is because you know Mel Tucker is going to bring pressure he's going to change up your looks up front he's really going to force you to be on your game and pass protection and maybe Penn State isn't ready to put value into that type of situation right now right to go up against uh, you know a defensive minded head coach in Mel Tucker, who's had a lot of success this season. You look at what Purdue did to them. Purdue spread them out through for over 500 yards, right? Empty formations, just, you know, getting the ball out of their hands, a lot of completions um, um, and, you know, dominated them in the past game. Um, no one can get to Stroud. Ohio State's pass protection is yeah. insane. And it's basically, it, it basically time. It looked like a seven on seven. So you have to protect your quarterback on Saturday. If you can't, it might be a long day for you. Um, you know, and, and, and last thing here with this, but this Penn state's offense, we mentioned Clifford, we mentioned Veyu. you know, obviously Clifford is played at, you know, played an extremely high level at times this year, you know, mentally you have to assume he is light years ahead of where Veyu is at just because look, you can't teach experience. Okay. Sure. So for me, if Clifford isn't playing well, if he's struggling, if he's inaccurate, right, not standing in the pocket, if he's playing a little timid, um, if he's not, you know, as healthy as, you know, he should be, you know, playing in this football game, I think he, I think he's, I, I think he should be on a short leash because if Veyu, Tom, if Veyu can come in and do what he did last week, manage the football game, Right, take chances when you have to run the offense, operate the offense, not turn it over. I think they, I think they could win this football game if they just continue um, to play the way the way they've played last year, uh, or excuse me, last week with Veyu. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Um, you know, because if it's if we see them start the game like like they did against Rutgers or you know Illinois or anything like that, then I mean it, this is a Michigan State win. And especially if they get some help from the running game, which seems to have slowly come to life lately. Don't know if we'll see a 100-yard rusher. We haven't seen that in a year. That would be fantastic, but we'll, we'll see what happens. All right, so Penn State versus Michigan State. That kicks off this Saturday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern on ABC at Michigan State. Uh, we hope you all enjoy the game. We hope you enjoy your Thanksgiving weekend. Stay with us here on the Pater Podcast because coming up next, our full interview with Michael Zordich Jr. is next. 
up for that. All of us involved here in the Pater podcast are proud supporters of THON, also known as the Penn State Dance Marathon. THON is a year-long effort dedicated to raising funds and awareness for its sole beneficiary, Four Diamonds at Penn State Health Children's Hospital. THON is the largest student-run philanthropy in the world, committed to enhancing the lives of children and families impacted by childhood cancer. Four Diamonds picks up where insurance leaves off to relieve financial stress and provide emotional support so that no family ever has to see a medical bill. Since 1973, THON has raised over $190 million in the fight against childhood cancer. To learn more about THON or to donate, visit THON.org. That's T-H-O-N dot O-R-G. It's all for the kids. Make a difference in the life of a child today. And on another personal note, we want to take this opportunity to put a spotlight on mental health with a new initiative called Tag Me In. Tag Me In is simply asking for people to tag in on the conversation and help strip away the stigma around mental health. Whether you're looking to lend support, you want to talk, you want to share, maybe you need some help. We invite you to join in on the conversation. We encourage you to make a video if you'd like, post it on your social media channels, and use hashtag tag me in and hashtag tag me in united. At the very least, we want to hear from you. You are not alone. Tag me in. Visit tagmeinunited.com to learn more. And we are now joined here on the podcast by former Penn State fullback slash halfback slash whatever you really needed at the time, Michael Zordich Jr. It is a thrill to have you on. First of all, when I first saw you and we started doing this, I was like, you look like Brett Kiesel is auditioning to be a Bond villain. Where are you and what are you doing and how's life? A Vaughn villain. That's great. I'm doing well, man. I'm in a little town called Caddis, Ohio. It's down in Southern Ohio. Um, worked on a cattle, on a cattle ranch for like the last seven years. And uh, in that process, um, decided to open up my own butcher shop and meat processing plant. So I am in the old attic of the building that we bought to turn into the shop. And that's why I look like a Bond villain, apparently. <laughs> you, look, you look, dude, that is the greatest beard I've seen in a while. You look fantastic. You look healthy, uh, which is great. Um, so what's life like been for you since, you know, you, uh, you're done with the NFL at this point, I assume. So what's life been like? It's been good. It's been good. You know, it was certainly a journey um, kind of figuring out what I wanted to do. I guess who I was or, you know, who I am, um, you know, once the game kind of once I had to step away from the game. That's something you never want to really think about actually having to do. And then uh, once you once you have to, it's kind of surprising. So, you know, just kind of it was a nice little um, nice little uh, stroll, I guess you'd say. I figured out a lot about myself and, you know, what I who I wanted to be or what I wanted to become and ended up here. It wasn't easy. I would I wouldn't say it was easy, but, um, you know, learned a lot along the way. And I think I'm really starting to come into my own here down in uh, down in Cadiz and I'm, I'm enjoying things. That's fantastic, man. Um, so uh, since you are, uh, you know, one of the more beloved figures in the history of the Penn State football program, you know, we, we've had the chance to talk to Alan Robinson uh, and Michael Maudie, and obviously Matt and I talk every single week, but yourself, Maudie and McGloin, uh, you guys got a lot of camera time. When you look back on those days and the amount of pressure that was on you guys, what kind of comes back to you when you're reminiscing about those times? Man, um, you know, Honestly, I, I wouldn't even uh, I wouldn't say it was pressure because, Matt, I think you can attest to this. You know, when we were in it, we were it was so simple when we had such a tight knit group and there was so much chaos happening around us that we kind of instinctively just built the bubble. You know, we were kind of like the eye of the storm. You know, everything was going on around us and we were so calm and not not calm. I guess we were collected. We knew who we were and what we needed to do. So, you know. Those memories, I guess we got more of a condensed version of it because we were so packed in and our and our relationships were so dense. And uh, I guess, you know, just looking back, obviously you're proud, but um, really just had a, so much fun playing that playing the game, being with that team, you know, such a special group of guys. And, you know, just, you know, I, I guess it's nice to be able to look back, be proud of something, be really proud of something. And, uh, you know, you just it was fun. We just had a lot of fun. Yeah, I, let me hop in here real quick, Tom. Uh, yeah. You mentioned the you mentioned the relationship uh, relationships, Zorich, and like that's like for me, that's what I always go back to um, was the friendships we had, 
the trust we had in one another, the way we held each other accountable, um, right? The way we accepted, you know, the that responsibility, um, the way we depended on one another. And like, you know, the obviously, you know, for those Penn State fans that are listening, I'm sure some of you have seen the Saving the World documentary. Um, for those of you who haven't, for those of you who haven't heard about it, it's a, a documentary about the 2012 football team that just really tells you the ins and outs in the season. Um, but, you know, when, when, like, when, like, I watch it today and you look back, it's, it's, it's kind of like, wow, like, I can't Absolutely. believe, I can't believe, like, what we went through, what we had to deal with. And it's like, how? Like, how did you do that? How did you get through it? And it's always, for me, it's always, it's because of the people. It's because Absolutely. of that, that senior class we had, O'Brien, Fitz, the rest of that coaching staff. It's, it's, it's just, you had the right group there um, at the right time. And uh, I mean, it, it's in the support we have what, what was incredible, Mike. Um, no, absolutely. You know, Going off of what you're saying there, I'm, you know, like you think you think that something you're, what you're going through is so complex. And at the time, we had no idea what we were going through and we didn't know the impact we were having. And it took me seeing this film to realize like mm -hmm. the 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 depth of what you know, what was going on, because I thought it was I thought it was kind of kind of like a, a beautiful thing where I was watching this film and, I, and you see all of this stuff unfolding. But if you think about it, like we were acting simply, you know, it, it shows what like what can happen when you believe in something bigger than yourself. And that's something could be simple because all we wanted to do was play football and play with each other. Like we just wanted to be on the same team playing, playing on Saturdays. And so we did everything we could to make that happen. And then the effects of that were incredible. I mean, it really, the whole universe, the whole uh, university ended up kind of jumping on the, onto those shoulders. And then you just see these, the, these like this cascade of different, different effects from, you know, stores being still being open the university still happening they're playing in they're playing in big 10 championships three years later four years later whatever it was but all of that happened because we we, we acted on a simple concept of we just want to play football and and then everything else kind of built from that and i just think that there you know there's a lot to be said about that i thought I, this is just a little interesting concept Mike, what's awesome is that you guys built a foundation uh, for you know to help really rebuild the program, and now we're seeing the the fruits of that labor. And you know, ten years later, since you were you know a, a student on campus, uh, the big news this week, and I'm curious what you think about it, is the new contract extension for James Franklin. But it's something we talked about earlier on in the podcast that it's really a stimulus package for the football program when you really sift through it a lot of people have had you know knee-jerk reactions to it um when you heard the news and you know watching the team the last few seasons what did you think about that this big deal for franklin and company i i love it i, I really do i like it i think that he's I, I like what he's doing there i think he's bringing in a lot of athletes and you know, nowadays it's so easy to just get rid of guys. It's like what, you know, you're not winning. I mean, the like I, I always go back to the Bo Pelini at Nebraska thing. I mean, you know, he goes, he loses like three games in, in three or he, he loses what well, he goes like nine and three for three years in a row yeah. or something. They get rid of him. And then look at the program since then. I mean, they've been struggling to bounce back. It's just so easy now for like everybody wants this uh, immediate uh, gratification, this immediate answer to everything. And I just think it's nice, like to, you know, I like what he's building there. It seems like a lot is going on at the university. And I just, I think that it's nice to, you know, keep that, keep that train going, give it, give it a little, give it a little push. And I also like the fact that I like, I like the stance that it's not just the coaching or the, or the coach, like that needs to compete here. The universities need to compete here. We need like I love the idea of you got to get facilities, you got to put the money up to 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 combat these these schools like Bama and Ohio State and LSU and USC that are putting money into their programs. Yeah, it might be a little much. It might be getting away from the game, but it's what's going on in the world right now. It's the way it is, and you got to you got to compete. I think the thing that a lot of people, you know, and again we we had talked about it earlier in the podcast is I think a lot of people looked at it and. Franklin can be a polarizing character and that, you know, his record in 2020 and 2021, 
not great. And that obviously disappoints people. But when you really sift through it, it's money for the program to renovate facilities, to improve all that, to give more money for recruiting efforts. Uh, and the one thing that I thought was so big, and Matt, I want, I want to get your take on this because you guys were uh, you know, you had a lot of great assistant coaches, et cetera, that really helped mold you guys and not just, you know, Joe Paterno and then Bill O'Brien, obviously, but to see that a lot of the money that is being put forward by the university is going to be so that some of these assistants aren't going to go anywhere. It's, hey, more money is going to be ponied up. So the likes of, for instance, Brett Pry and Mike Yersich, we don't have any specifics, but like that these guys will stick around so you don't lose, you know, like a Joe Moorhead, for instance. So, Matt, I'm well, curious what you think, kind of thinking back to your own days. Uh, it's brilliant by James Franklin to, you know, politic for more money for his assistant coaches, Tom, because you bring up a great point and Joe Moorhead, because if you look at James Franklin's career and you look at James Franklin's record, and I've said this a number of times on the podcast, I'm not picking on anybody. This is just the way it is, especially offensively. They're only as strong as the offensive coordinator is. That's because look, take Joe, you mentioned Joe Moorhead, Tom, take his two seasons out at Penn state. What is their record? 45 and 27. I'm just saying like, because we all know like Franklin's more of a CEO right? He's more, he, he oversees the program. That's more of his role. He's not really the Ryan Day type coach, right? That's what the offensive coordinator is for. Like, uh, I love the Mike Yersich hire. Um, obviously, they've had to deal with a number of things this year. Sean Clifford injury, the inability to run the football, but they need to keep Mike Yersich. So I'm glad they have more money in that sense for guys like Mike Yersich because I, I really think the offense could be something special moving forward with that guy coaching the quarterbacks and that guy running the offense. Also, they should be doing everything they possibly can to keep to keep Pry. They can't let that guy get away. Mm -hmm. He needs to be paid with the top defensive coordinators in the country. That's what he deserves. So, look, that's what I loved about it. I don't know. Go ahead, yeah. Zordich. No, I, I agree. I agree. I think it's – I think – you know, what you said about Coach Franklin is, you know, even if even if most of the spot is in delegation, I, like he's he still has uh, his his role. I, obviously, he does much, much more than delegation. He's he's that he's a head coach, but he's got his role. He has he has that energy and that that he, he has an energy to him right now. I mean, you know, the, the university seems to be on the up and up he they're like they are competing well against these big schools yeah there's certain uh games where they you know big time games where you could you could argue records there but i think that there's juice there and i like buying into that i i, I think that it's it's getting it's getting it's the university's getting the university behind its back and it's getting kids there he's getting the athletes he's getting players and you know yes this this season you know we didn't see that coming everybody you know at one point ranked number four and you think and think you're about to about to be in the playoffs to what happened. But if you look, if even if you look into that, you know, there were situations there where, you know, they're not fielding a full team. They, you know, they just it it was a it was a weird I feel like it was just a weird year. You know, it just mm -hmm. like shit happens. Just you know? inconsistent. Just inconsistent. Yeah. Right. An odd shaped ball type yeah. year. Yeah. And, Let me uh, go yeah, uh, go, go ahead. ahead. Finish. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just, that was it. I'm. I want to go back. I'm. I, I'm going to go back before we go forward here. So we had Tom and mentioned we had Mike Maudie on last week, um, and Maudie, you know, like your father, his dad played at Penn State. So take us back a little bit, and I asked Mike Maudie the same question. You know, growing up in that atmosphere, knowing where your dad played football, was that always the goal for you to get to Penn State and be a part of that program? You know what I. I, I feel like I didn't know that it was, even though it was, you know, my, like, <laughs> you know, my, the way that I grew up, you know, my dad's not, he's, he's a very gracious, very humble guy. He's not, he was never the, the go, the go getter dad where he's, you know, we're always talking football and he's pushing Penn state, you know, they really let me be my own growing up. And yes, we went to, we, we would go to one game a year and, and we'd be tailgating with, you know, his buddies like Shane Conlin and, and a bunch of other Penn State greats. So that's what I mean when I say I didn't know that it was, even though it was like I was I'm here at Penn State and I'm growing up around these awesome guys. And I, you know, didn't know that those lessons were instilled in me at the time. But then you look back at it and, uh, you know, going through the whole process of figuring out Penn State and, um, 
you know, I was go, I was checking out other schools. I was doing other things, but then when I got there, it was like, you know, I always say this when I, when I first, I went on a visit and my grandma, my grandpa, my mom, dad, you know, family's there. My great grandma was with me and we roll into the, the lash building and Joe's upstairs and he's talking to my whole family, grandpa, grandma, and great grandma. He remembers all their names. He's asking about family members from way back then. He barely even talked to me. But I'm sitting back there, and I'm like, you know, like I'm sitting back there and I'm like, what am what am I even thinking about? You're like, what am I doing? This is it. Like, you know, you could go you could go anywhere else. There's that, that that family atmosphere about Penn State, that whole thing. Yeah, it's special to be a legacy player, but it's, you know, that brotherhood is runs runs true through, you know, Matt, me and you. I mean, it's the same thing. You know, as, as, once you're there, you're you're part of it. And, you know, it's definitely it's definitely holds a special place in my heart. That, that's what I've always uh, loved about you, Zordich. That's what I've always respected about you is that it was always about Penn State, always about the team, and it was always about what can I do? Because they recruited you as a linebacker. You know, th- th- the way Tom introduced you, Did linebacker, everything. running back, fullback. It was kind of <laughs> like, what can I do to play? What can I do to help win? And, I and like, so that. for you, like, but that's what I'm saying. Like, so like, was that hard for you? Because like a ton of guys, was it hard for you at first? I should say because a ton of guys would have a problem with that changing positions, and you know, hey, do you want to play defense? Do you want to play offense? And a lot of guys well, are stubborn in that sense. Yeah, I mean, I, first of all, that means the world to me coming from you. I really appreciate that's a hell of a compliment you just gave me, and it means a lot because that's exactly why I played the game. That was what it meant. That was what it was all about for me. But um, you know, just a just a, an example of how insane it was when I first got there. I. I we go to camp my first for first practice and I got a white Jersey in my locker and you know, the defense wears blue. So I picked up the Jersey and I brought it over to spider. And I said, spider, you guys put the wrong Jersey in my locker. And spider goes, Oh, they didn't tell you they moved you to fullback. I was like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, was like, what? I was like, what? And at the time I'm like, if I wanted to play fullback, I'd have gone to Wisconsin. What the hell am I doing? You know, like, <laughs> like, you know? but at the same time, that was how I grew up. That's what, you know, I've learned so many lessons through this game. Football means much more to me than just a game. And, and I don't know, you know, growing up around it with my dad playing, I, I, we always joke, say I grew up in the locker room, you know, like I'd go to see my dad at work and I'm in the Eagles locker room, hanging out with Hollis Thomas, Willie T. There's, you know, there's just these awesome, like mountains of men around me. They're just like, it was so awesome to look up to. So my idea of like what you did, what the game meant to you was, you know, it wasn't always about me. It was about the game. So I think that I may, I guess at the time I didn't know it, but I always fell back on that, you know, just, this is a team game and you do what you have to do. And, you know, I was, I guess, you know, I sucked it up, but at the time and it ends up working out, you know, cause now I, now I know who I am and what I stand for now, you know, and I think that that means a lot, especially nowadays, Matt, like it's so easy right now, um, you know, with the with the NIL, which I totally agree with, you know, the, the transfer portals out there now, there's all this uh, self-promotion and, and and just getting really just getting what you want. And, the, and, it, and it's kind of kind of infested the game a little bit. And I think that, you know, it's 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 kind of it'd be nice to get back to what the game yeah. is all about that team sport of things I, and and to to bring the movie up i think that the movie that that the uh, film is an exact example of that and what what can happen if you you know put set aside all the golden shiny and and play the game for what it's really meant for you know you just want to play football like that's it and and i think that this film really could teach you know not that the not that they need teaching, but I think it has. There's a lot of lessons in here on the fu- the fundamental and the foundations of this game, and I think that I think that holds the most meaning for me yeah. in the film. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know I think you know people listening right now get a pretty good sense as to why Zordich was a team captain, one of the leaders <laughs> on our football team, and obviously a moment that will live forever, not just in Penn State football history, but in the university's history, right? You, Mike Mowdy, the team around you, you gave that speech um, in 2012. 
take us through the moments before you and Mike gave that speech with the team, you know, inside that locker room before we opened those doors and walked out. Man, it was, uh, that was cool. You know, again, at the time you're so young and you're not really thinking, you know, you're not thinking about it like that. It's just, it's just what we had to do. And I mean, you were right there with us, you know, it was, I remember at first we were, it was supposed to just be us. We were sitting there like, oh, the whole team was in the locker room. Like, let's just, what the hell are we doing? Let's get behind us. You know, let's go. And I just remember opening those doors and just had like the biggest surge of like, like just strength with all, with like the whole, all of our teammates around us. Like we knew exactly what we were about to say. Yeah, and knock the door time, down. You're going to knock the door down. <laughs> I was just like, I was, I, I like felt it. Like it was strong. And I, and, uh, I, I just I just remember that feeling. And then, uh, you know, because at the time it, it was truly us against the world. We were the only ones that had our opinion of ourselves, you know, and uh, it just, it, you know, looking back, really, really awesome to be a part of. Yeah. Like super, it, like unbelievable. Yeah. And with that, like, you know, with that speech and and everything was going on there at the time, like, you know, you mentioned earlier that, you know, we kind of built this bubble and that's something O'Brien talked about all the time, like ignoring uh-huh. the noise, right. Just, you know, one day at a time, continuing to march forward. You guys spent a ton of time with OB and Fitz that year trying to get guys to stay. Um, take us through what some of those meetings were like, right. What went on behind closed doors with those guys? Yeah. I mean, that it was i love i love that you know th- there was a lot of, there was it was strategic of, in, in ways you know i had the time to to be able to to devote myself to keeping guys in and, and going and basically re-recruiting i'm not i remember you man you had that whole new offense you were in that book and you were in it and you knew it like i i remember i gotta tip my hat to you on that i just i always loved playing with you because you had that you had that attitude that confidence in yourself even when you might not, you probably shouldn't have had it. You had, you still have <laughs> And that's what I always loved about you because that's, you know, I, I remember when we were, we were young, it was either freshman or sophomore. And uh, I was talking to my brother on the phone. You can ask him about this. And he was, we, he was asking about the QBs and who was playing. And I was like, yeah, you know, God, everybody's looking good, but. I was like, we got this, we got this walk on, dude. He, he, he just slings it. I like, I like him in the huddle. I told him that was, those are my words for him. I just dude, like him in hey, the huddle. Every, you know, like whatever, maybe like, you know, along my career somewhere, I'm sure like I rub people the wrong way with the way I approach the game, how intense I was, my attitude or anything like that sort of, but for me, like it was always about like, at like in, in good situations, it was about self-promotion because guess what? No one else was promoting me. So I had to do it myself. Like I had to make a name for myself I'm, somehow, man. You unbelievable. Know? <laughs> I didn't mean that in a bad way at all. Cause what it, what it was a self, it was a defense mechanism, man. You, you had to believe in yourself because nobody else was. That's it. Right? That's it. Yeah. yeah. And I, I loved you for it. Cause I, I, I'm telling you, I told my brother that that day and that was early, early. It just, your attitude. I loved it. I loved it in the huddle. But getting back to uh, getting back to that being with um, Ob and Fitz and Mots, it was really us for a lot. A lot, you know, we were sitting in. It was as as insane as it was. It was really cool because you know he was Ob had this way of just being so brutally honest and just so upfront and so straightforward. Yeah, I, I I remember it was like a whole new world to me talking with him about stuff like that because he was you know you there was no sugarcoating anything. It was just this is what it is. And, you know, we got into the whole social dynamics of the team. We were, you know, we were talking about the, this guy is friends with these four. If he leaves, those three are definitely going to go. And if this, you know, we got, we were, we were breaking the, the team up into clicks. Cause you know, there's 120 of us. You hang out in clicks, you know, you got your groups of friends and we were like, if this guy goes, he's going to go. So we got to make sure he stays. And, you know, it was, I just remember the like just absolute chatter, communication, and like just figuring out the team, keeping everybody around. It was just really cool to be a part of. Not only, not only was it like unheard of, but just to be, you know, you're talking with your head coach and you're figuring out like the whole dynamics of your team and how to keep things together, making decisions about things. And and he was 
not that we were making decisions, but he was, you know, he was, he was taking, he, he was listening to us at, at the same time. I always think that that is such a cool, like the, the concept of that is so cool. You know, it's so easy for head coaches to be like, this is my decision. This is what we're going to go by. But to be, to have like, for the situation to be so insane and him not to be vulnerable, but to be open about how to handle this thing. And, and, you know, he knew that this was a thing. We had the benefit of knowing the locker room. And he used us for that. Like he knew that. So he would come to us and ask us, how, how are guys feeling? What's going on? How they think, what did they think about this? And it was, you know, it was just cool to be so involved. And, and, uh, what a wild, <laughs> what a wild time. It was like, it really was thinking back on it. It was just so crazy. What was going on? I mean, absolutely unheard of. So, Mike, in the college and the pro game, the the guys who are kind of, you know, the Swiss Army knives, they, they don't really exist anymore. It's, it's slowly been worked out of the game. I think the only fullback in the NFL I can think of is maybe Jacob Johnson for the Patriots. And then, like, there's the conventional teams in the Big Ten where it's like, oh, you expect Iowa and Wisconsin, who you mentioned, to have fullbacks. And do you take a look at the positions that you played or even just being that, you know, utility type of player? And is it kind of the, well, back in my day mentality, or are you seeing good evolutions at the positions? Ah, oh, man, it's a little bit of both because a part of me misses that straight on fullback where like, you know, the use of that, that player and like just that lead blocker mm -hmm. and just the grit behind that, the character of that position. You know, we, I always joke with, you know, you could, you could play quarterback, but you have to be a fullback. It's, it's more of like a lifestyle. <laughs> than it is a position it's a lifestyle <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but um i i think that there's certain teams in the league you know you got the niners got a uh they're they're full back oh, uh Jushik. uh Jus yeah Jushik? and then yeah. the raiders got a guy like it, it, the position seems to like sprinkle itself in here and there but it's not it's definitely not like a standing position mm -hmm. and uh shoot that was um that was one of like when OB got to Penn State, I mean that it really changed a lot for me because at when with Joe's offense, you know the fullback was pretty much a guard. I, you know I'd run some flat routes here and there, and you know not that I couldn't do that, but I I felt like you know I was be you know that was I was kind of stuck in that groove of just these you know I, I miss being an athlete athlete you know, mm -hmm. and then when OB came in. I had to like warm up to being an athlete again. I remember I had to get that contact lens in my right eye because I every time <laughs> I had a flat route, the helmet, the ball would hit me right in the right in the helmet because I couldn't. I was like, it was hilarious. And as soon as I get this contact, I was catching everything. But it's it's one of those positions where you don't you don't know you have one until you have one. Where it's like, all right, we don't have a fullback. But then it's like you get a certain guy, and it's like we got a fullback. Right. And that's, you know, I that's never what, thought of it like that, but that's hundred percent. Yeah, that's correct. And it is because that's like, I mean, it just, it, it, when you're whatever, a play caller, you know, coach, whatever it may be, it's, you fight for your players that belong on the field, regardless of position, you know what I'm saying? And the fullback falls into that category where it's again, like we got a guy that can play fullback. So guess what? This dude's playing fullback for us, implement him in the offense in some capacity because he, he deserves to be on the football field. So I think that's what it is. I think that's what the football, uh, the fullback position has become in college, NFL, wherever it may be, which is why you see only very few of them because there's only a certain amount of guys that can do it at an extremely high level. Uh, that's, a, that's a really good point. You know, you're doing a lot of different things. You, not only, you know, you run some routes and, and, you know, be a little bit athletic, but at the end of the day, you do got to buck up with some big yeah. old boys up front yeah. too. So, you know, I guess it is that, that certain person. Mm-hmm. The one thing uh, I personally have always enjoyed as a Penn State fan over the years uh, is the anonymity uh, on uniforms. Now, obviously, you guys were honored in a special way. You guys had your names on the back of the uniform there at the end, and I thought that was spectacular. But I always like to see the lineage of the numbers as they go by. So yourself were a number nine. Another great number nine, Trace McSorley, was shortly thereafter. Now we got a number nine. Christian Veyu, a backup quarterback that a lot of people are really excited about. Did you get to watch him at all against Rutgers? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I had a blast watching him. You know, it's not, nothing like watching somebody just like, you know, come out on the football field. You know, there's, that's an awesome feeling. You know, you're like, you just feel good. You know, he's a young kid, man. He's young. He's just a kid. And then he's out there and he's making these plays and you just you get excited for for, you know, 
for the possibilities and just how good that has to feel for him. But yeah, I think, you know, there's a huge upside there. He's got a lot of talent, you know, it's just a matter of just honing it all, keeping it together. Um, but yeah, that was fun to watch. And not but to you're very about, right about the the lineage and numbers. It's really fun to well, you know. and because it's on both sides of the ball because there's so many freaking guys. I can't forget about Joey Porter Jr. as well, also sporting number nine right now, and he's a stud. So Man, yeah, is, a, is that anything like? I'm probably reading between the lines. Is that anything like kind of over the years you keep track of that? It's like oh, he's got my old number. Yeah, I mean, you don't lose sleep over it, but you definitely take pride <laughs> in it. You know? When are they retiring? Yeah. Eleven says McCoy. <laughs> Hey man, it's a good number. You know, yeah. it's a good number. Parsons did all right with it, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. I still, yeah, you know, it's funny because every time, like every time I see number eleven on TV, I just, I have to say, I feel like they're still selling my jerseys down there. <laughs> they're still selling my jerseys. Oh yeah, man, well, not, not maybe not looking after the younger guys, but as a player, you always like you always take pride in your number. I mean, you're, that's like, that's like everything to you it's like that's what you're wearing you know mm -hmm. so anytime i i know that anytime i see nine i'm like oh that's yeah well and to the point you made earlier about spider who for those who don't know the longtime equipment manager for penn state football team a wonderful person he knows everything that every number has seen every player has seen like he is just a vault and he's got so many great stories so we should we should definitely try and get him on the podcast at some point matt you absolutely should. And if you can do it so that he's in his office, oh, I would, all the clutter. I mean, it, yeah. Yeah. Because Matt, remember when we stopped by, um, when we were up for the, we did a couple of interviews during the premiere, we stopped by spider's office and he ran us through, he has just the most insane memorabilia and he remembers what every single piece is from and just the excitement on his face when he's explaining it. That's a human being. I think I, I love spider. He, I mean, like, he, yeah. How about Zordish? How about he had, uh, like Joe's last uh, uh, cleats that he wore, oh, those wow. those black Nikes, the black Nikes. Yeah, uh, those are like the. I think I think he said those are the last cleats Joe wore in a game or something like that. Uh, yeah, he's got he's got like uh, O'Brien's like sweatshirt and hat and like like uh, like wristbands from games that quarterbacks have worn. Yeah. like just an insane amount of stuff um, he's got his in little... his office. Man, it's like walking into a time machine. Like yeah. stuff from the eighties, nineties, early two thousands. Like it's, 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 he's got, it's super impressive. He's got his little, um, uh, uh, trainer, uh, fanny pack with all of yeah. 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 Oh my God, Matt, the shoes. Remember Joe. So Joe used to oh, wear. Oh yes. Shirts, go ahead. Right? Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Wear, Joe used to wear these certain black and white Nikes and he loved the model. And then Nike made some new ones and um discontinued the, the ones that joe liked so joe won't wear the new ones film night has nike remake these 1980s um these this 1980s versions of this shoe but in 2000 i think four or something like that and so spider had a whole wall full of them to just stock up for, for joe yeah he had a pair in brand new pair in the box still yeah, so wow. so yeah. we're in the office and he pulls out this box and it's this brand new pair of oh. 1980s version Nikes made in 2004. Mm -hmm. He had the new ones and the used ones right next to each other. I thought it was unbelievable. Just unbelievable. unreal. Unreal. So Mike, last question for you. We'll let you go. So uh, are there any projects or anything like that that you and your family are, are diving into right now? You know, what's going on for you nowadays? Yeah, I mean, I got the... Um, I got this uh, butcher shop and meat processing plant that I've just opened up. Like I said, I worked on that ran on the ranch for seven years and kind of jumped into this as a way to kind of live this lifestyle style. I like it down here. It's called fancy meats and uh, we're in Ohio right now. I'm going to pretty soon be jumping the borders into PA and hopefully, uh, West Virginia, and then we'll kind of work our way around. But um, my brother is opening up a, a, a shop in, Pitts, in Pittsburgh called Yosteria. It's, he, my brother makes his own wine. It's called Yovino. And uh, he's going to be selling that there, plus doing, you know, kind of grab and go Italian specialties type stuff, pizzas, uh, food. And I'm, I'm actually going to be selling my uh, all of our uh, grass fed beef there at his store. So, you know, we're excited to kind of partner up. Hopefully it goes pretty well. Uh, it'll be in uh, Sharpsburg, right in Pittsburgh. So that's exciting. Yeah. And then um, 
Oh, and my, my, you know, my mom's doing awesome things with the NFL right now. She has a, she does a magazine uh, once a year called the playbook. It kind of covers all of the good that's going on in the NFL and what these guys do with their lives in the off season. And um, she also, she also has this, um, this social media platform called thread where it's, it's a, it's a private platform for NFL's player, NFL players, wives to communicate with each other. And, you know, just discuss, What's going on in their lives, you know, the problems that they are uh, that are indicative with that lifestyle and also their 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 husband's uh, health, be it mental or physical or just how they're handling being in the league. You know, it's it's a different place to be than what goes on in, in uh, you know, your normal office. So, yeah, I can imagine. Know, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty cool thing. It's kind of taken off and she's doing really well. She's kicking ass. I'm just really excited for her. That's fantastic. Mike, yeah. thank you so much. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday, so have a great Thanksgiving. Uh, enjoy your Thanksgiving weekend. Thank you for joining us, uh, and enjoy the game on Saturday, Penn State, Michigan State. It'll be good. Yeah, thank you guys, man. I appreciate you having me on. You know, I'm glad you guys, this is an awesome thing you're doing. Thank you, man. Appreciate it, Mike. Appreciate it. Oh, Pater, Pater. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.